podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Way, way indeed. It is Pod Four Six Nine, I believe, and that is the sound of Jack Pierce. Jack, how are you? I'm good, Jim. I'm, I'm feeling, you know, what are we? Seventy two hours on, still feeling the the glow of Saturday. But that's not about the match. That's from the uh, the tour of Jim Daly's University Days, as I got live from the the man himself. Yeah. Which we're going to miss. We won't, won't, have, won't be able to happen next season, which is a, you know, a real shame for my dad, who's had the stories every year for the past seven well, seasons. For, for a first-time listener, it was a great tour, so thank you. I might still go next season for Southampton versus Rotherham or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I'll happily give you more of an insight as to you know, places I've thrown up in and why I got such a bad 2-2. Um, also here, <laughs> making his debut... <laughs> Um, it's Edmund Brack from the SLP Brackers. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you, JD. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's lovely to have you on. Ha- has been on the post-match pod before, so this is like a sort of step up to the first team. And it's lovely <laughs> to have you here. Before we crack on, we're talking about that superb 2-0 win at Southampton at the weekend. Third win on the bounce since Roy returned. Uh, can I get a drum roll for a random patron, please? Mr... Rob Billington. Rob, thanks for joining the patron. What an absolute legend you are. Uh, lovely to hear your voice for the first Rob, time. Rob, please just reach out to us now. Please. Please. We, we need to know you're safe. <laughs> I think he is still a patron, but um, I, he clearly doesn't listen. Maybe just just wants to support the pod, but doesn't just actually that, like... Just anything. a rogue £3.49 going out a month, and he's just like, what is that? I don't even remember what that is, but... <laughs> anyway, you can join the patron like Rob did at some point uh, and get all sorts of rewards post-match podcast patron only merchandise that think about this month which is a lovely well-paid lad scarf that has been i've seen dotted around the way in which is lovely um patron discord all sorts anyway patron.com slash podcast link is below so do sign up to that if uh, you want to be like rob billington and maybe get your name read out in the future um also, we're sponsored this week by harrys.com. Harrys are here to improve your skincare routine. The free trial set and eye brightening cream just for FYP listeners. All you got to do is go to harrys.com slash FYP to pay the three ninety five dollars postage. Link is below the show notes. From close shaves to flake-free hair. Try saying that fast three times. Uh, all the way to clear healthy skin. Harry's helps guys feel good. Much like Roy has breathed new life into Palace in the last month. The eye brightening cream can breathe new life into tired looking under eyes for the first time you use it. Uh, Jackie liked that link, I think. Um, for our cooling hydrating formula instantly brightens while seaweed 
that word's banned on this podcast. And algae extract, extracts help dark circles fade. Um, in the trial set, you'll get an expertly engineered weighted handle, a five-blade cartridge that's made in Germany, no less. Uh, apparently, that's a good thing. Complete with precision trimmer, giving you a shave that's as smooth as an SA dribble. Uh, a handy foaming shave gel for extra lubrication. Jack, stop laughing. And a trial travel, sorry, blade cover. And the free brightening eye cream, of course. Um, here's the science bit. That's a reference for anyone that was uh, born in the 80s. Um, Harry's skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, and you'll never have to worry about running out. The cleansing exfoliating before you shave increases the chance of cleaning results. The products are formulated with 0% sulfates, parabens, or dyes, and are alcohol-free. Unlike the away end on Saturday. No nasties here. <laughs> They tell me to say. Uh, so support F the FYP podcast. Uh, this genuinely does support the pod. Uh, by heading to harrys.com slash FYP to get your free set delivered and start your own skincare journey by redeeming a free Harry's trial set and that brightening eye cream. Your freebie will be added at the checkout. All you've got to do is cover the $3.95 postage. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Right. Let's get on to Palace. I've actually not updated my notes from last week, so it says here Leeds 5-1. We could just talk about that again. But let's talk about, because that was great. Um, Jack, what an away day. Well, all three of us were there, actually, at the weekend, which was lovely. Uh, it, would, it was a sunny afternoon down on the south coast. Palace eased to a 2-0 win. Eze lit up the game. Does life get any better than this? Certainly a good time to be a Palace fan, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, a, it's a contrast to where we were a month ago. Um and yeah, it was a great afternoon. The the away end was bouncing in the second half, and and the, the celebrations were were great when they during the game when the goals went in and at the end of the match, it, it just felt like we had turned the corner. To be honest, I think a lot of fans left Very the away nice. end, and fans would have been listening in or watching wherever they were, thinking that that's probably us. That's probably us done. Um, you know, mathematically, we're not safe yet, but three wins on the bounce. Has has pretty much done it. I think the um, the turnaround from Roy, the impact he's had on certain players, the confidence that's, that's kind of going through the team um, is great. And, and while we took a massive step towards securing ourselves Premier League status for next season, we pretty much saw Southampton off. I think I, I can't see them coming back. So that's one of three spots done. And, and when you are in the relegation battle, you are looking to see those spaces fill up as quickly as possible. So. Great afternoon. We'll talk about some of the particular performances, which um, I can't actually think of anyone who had a bad game. I thought the whole 11 were pretty good and had their moments. Yeah. So um, obviously there there was the standout, but there were some really positive signs from some others too. So yeah, looking forward to talking it over. But yeah, all in all, a great afternoon on the South Coast. Yeah. And you're right about, I think Saints are done. I mean, they, they played, considering they needed, they, they had to win that given their running. They played like a team that all thought they were down already. We, we said it, um, you know, almost within the first 15 minutes, there wasn't a sense of nervousness in the ground. There was a sense of resignation. And the Absolutely. fact that the fans kind of took their their leave as early as Palace going one up, um, which I think was relatively early in the second half, 55 minutes or something like that. Um, there was a, a significant exodus then. And then when the second one went in, it was pretty much us and about in half, the, half the Saints um, allocation. So, yeah, that that is a fan base resigned to Championship football next season. Um, we touched on it last week. Some nice players. They've got some nice young players, but there's no, other than maybe Board Prowse, Bednarek at the back, there's not really any quality first teamers with experience to guide that team through. You know, the likes of Bella Kotrap and Alcaraz showed some really nice touches. Lavia in midfield had a really good first half, but 
there's not the experience to guide that team through. And then combine that with the manager on the sidelines, who is the complete opposite to, to Roy and Ray. Yeah, I think I think they're cooked. Yeah, I completely agree. Which I guess, Brackers, shows actually the, the, the impact that Roy and Ray have had since they come back. Ray in trousers again on the touchline. Clearly, that's the way forward. Two wins for the trousers now. I will be tossing up towards the end of the season, trousers versus shorts. Um, before we get on to some of the players, and obviously I'm sure there's one player that everyone <laughs> is aware we're going to talk about. Um, obviously, you are in and around the club on match days. Adam Harry would love me using that. Um, are you getting a sense of... A, are you getting a sense... Uh, from press conferences and, and and sort of being in and around and that Palace there's there's more relaxation at Palace is things are happier. What's the, what's the vibe you get from from the work you do? Uh, I'd say the main thing that kind of Roy has probably brought and and that you can notice from press conferences is his calming influence. Um, I don't think I, I find it really hard to sit there and not to get sort of almost intoxicated sometimes by what he's saying. You get, you get drawn in by his experience, his words of wisdom. You hang on every word that he kind of puts across in his press conferences because he's been there, done it. And you have to respect the, the longevity he's had in the game. I, I sat through pretty much nearly every one of Patrick Vieira's press conferences. And the, the main sort of worry for me towards the end of his time with the club was he was almost resigned to the facts about what was happening. You know, I, I read in, in one article, particularly when when he did leave the club, that, he, that Palace maybe thought he'd lost the fight, and that was kind of the sense I was getting from his press conferences. He was, oh, you know, we we have to improve in this situation. The process is taking time, and those were the sort of lines he was coming out with. But when you look at towards the end of his first season, and, and when he stood there at at, at Selhurst Park, and he's telling the fans to come to come to the stadium next year with with higher expectation, he's he's almost made a rod for his own back when. When he's asking for that, um, you know, in terms of the, the influence of Roy and, and what he's done in these three games, I, I doubt even Steve Parrish was probably expecting it was it was going to be this good. You, you, you know, coming into a club with one one win in seventeen, uh, players devoid of confidence, no twenty goal a season striker. But I guess what he did have and what he credited the win to on Saturday was a a rock solid defence. Usually when a manager's coming into a club in a relegation battle, they're, they're having to sort out the, a sloppy defence who are making errors and, and giving away needless goals. Palace weren't doing that. Palace just weren't taking their chances. And when you've got Roy coming in and, and giving Everett Chiesa the Darren Ambrose treatment that Neil Warlock gave him, you know, sticking the umbrella up when it's raining or being the <laughs> chiropodist and things along those lines, it's, uh, it's a joy to watch, isn't it? I mean, we're all, we're all loving it at the moment and... And long may it continue for, for either of these seven games or however long it could do. Yeah, well, quite. We have had a few questions about Roy next season. We'll come on to those later on. Uh, we'll come on to Ebbs in a minute because he was the absolute star of the show on Saturday. Just a quick, well, Jack, this is a statement really, not a question, but Leif Anderson's forehead on a leaf, hey, leaf. Um, says literally this. Not, not a question, but isn't it great not getting stressed about other games now? Thank you, Roy and Ray. That's exactly what, you know, Brackers has just said there. They have brought a calmness to, and so quickly as well. And it's just, and actually the thing about hanging off Roy's words in presses, I think it's really, it's really prescient because if the journos are doing that, think about what the players are doing like that in the, uh, oh, in the dressing room. Yeah. And I think the players interviews are really starting to show that, that there is a different sense in that, in that team dynamic. The group dynamic seems to have shifted a bit. Um, Joachim Anderson was, was interviewed after the game on, on Saturday and, and and talked like a man who didn't expect to get those three wins had the manager not changed. I think there was a, a player there who was being quite open and honest that 
this three wins in a row has happened because of that change of dynamic. And, and we talked in previous weeks about the only dynamic change open to the club was the change of manager. And, you know, we won't go over all of our thoughts on that at the time, but it clearly has worked. It's had the desired impact. And as, and as Ed says, I doubt Steve Parrish is thinking it would have gone as, as well as it has done. Um, I, I just think the... Um, that that point is is so true. I, I watched Leeds versus Liverpool last night. You know, sorry, Leaf Anderson's point there. The uh, not not the Leaf Anderson, sorry, Leaf Anderson's foreheads point. Um, I watched oh, yeah, the no, Leeds. Might... Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe I watched the Leeds game last night, and I still was relatively happy every time Liverpool put one beyond Melier, just to kind of put them further in the mud, really. But I, I, as I said, I think we are we are safe. Just Ed's point there about the defence. I think it's spot on and, and again we've kind of touched on it but we really saw it on Saturday that that first half ended goalless because our defence and our goalkeeper who we'll also talk about in a bit was was really tight um, you know Jim you and I joked during the first half about uh, a minor spat between Wardy and, and Joa um, midway through the first half with a very very tight offside clearly one of them hadn't kind of gone up in in the formation that they hoped they would and Walcott crept on it went out for a corner and the two of them had words and it's that's a good sign you want your defenders having words if something isn't quite working and you know Ed and I'll pass back to Ed but he he asked um Roy about Tyreek Mitchell in particular and then Roy answered in regard to, to both fullbacks and those combined with two excellent centre halves with a very good goalkeeper who's had a good start to his Palace career meant that we had the foundation to go on and win that game on Saturday yeah, I mean, I mean, Tyreek is. We'll come on to him. I think later on, may even feature in winners and losers. But he has, he has his. We'll talk about Ebbs in a minute as well because his transformation is the headline. But actually, Tyreek, since Roy's come back in, Ed um, has quietly gone about getting back to his best. He has. He's been he's been excellent in these last three games. Um, I, I saw. I think it was a year ago, maybe the other day. Was it yesterday? Perhaps when it was the FA Cup semi final, wasn't it uh, at Wembley? And uh, you notice the sort of mistakes he makes, and, and particularly for the first goal, we've lost to Sheik, and then gives the ball away for the second. And you think, you know, where his career reached with the England call up and becoming Crystal Palace's first choice left back with with no sort of clear competition around him. You, you think about the rise he had in such a short space of time and of course the player's going to become overwhelmed by that eventually um i think for, for him in particular at the start of the season he, he was one who was perhaps his confidence of, of course dipped but he was one who was suffering perhaps most due to the the lack of competition mm. and things along those lines but when when the manager comes in the manager who gave you your debut who throw you in along with the rest of the first team and tells you you're good enough to be here of course you're going to start delivering performances again and it's a joy to see because yeah, we all love Tyreek though we all love the, the way he's come through the academy he quietly goes about his business uh, his Instagram posts which are interesting sort of ta- taunting the opposition a little bit sometimes but he's a he's a great player and he's a huge asset to the football club with with the number of years he could be Crystal Palace's first choice left back for yeah absolutely and by all accounts a very nice Quiet lad as well, and yes, we all, yeah. we all, we all like, like nice lads in the first team. Um, speaking of, uh, Ebbs is headline maker at the moment, Jack. I mean, another fantastic performance. Um, two great goals, second one in particular. Uh, and another one who's really benefited from Roy coming back, and again, also was also given his debut at Palace by Roy as well. So clearly there's some sort of uh, you know, connection there. Russell Levy. Hi, Hi Russell. Russell. Right, and a couple of questions about this. So let's just get it out of the way. Yeah, it yeah. might be it might be one for Ed actually, but I'll come to you as well. How are we pronouncing Eze? Some say Eze, some say Eza, some say Eza. 
while I've heard the man himself both say Eze and Eza, I'm calling him Ebs. It's much easier. It's Ezo, isn't it? There, there was a video on the website, I think. Yeah, that's that's how he confirmed it in the, the pre-season press clip that the club released. So you've got to trust them. The guy knows how to say his own name. So <laughs> if we are going to go with his surname, then I think it's Eze. Um, but obviously fans have, have kind of become accustomed to Eze. Um, but I think broadcasters have started to use maybe the pronunciation that the player himself uses. So, yeah, if you're going to stray away from Ebbs, then, um, then maybe Eze is the the one to go for. But, yeah, he's he's probably so cool and chilled, you know, just just go with whatever you want, really. Ebbs is, the, Ebbs is what I'm going to stick with, though, for the foreseeable. It does, unfortunately, wipe out a lot of the easy puns that I still see people using on Twitter and YouTube yeah. at the moment, um, yeah. which obviously isn't, isn't the way. And actually, Brad, because I did see someone tweeted us saying, why do, why do commentators keep getting his name wrong and calling him Ezra? And I think maybe Jack, you reply be like, um, that's what he's asked us to say. <laughs> that's, that's his name. <laughs> but surely broadcast and journos, you're the first people to make sure to get up to speed to make sure that you're getting all these things right. Well, uh, I'm very lucky with the fact that I don't do commentary, so I only have to spell out E Z E. Um, I called him when, when I've spoken to him in the past. I've called him Ebbs, uh, and he seemed okay with it. So I'm very fortunate in the, in the fact that I don't have to get all the pronunciations right, as long as they're all spelt correctly. That's the uh, that's the main thing. Uh, we've had a question from Kyle who says. And um, we hey, noticed this during the game chat, didn't we? There was an interesting moment in the match when the Palace fans were singing, "He's just too good to you." Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, he's just he's just too good to you. What a what a romantic <laughs> soul he it is! Big, big Dean Williams fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dean Williams, <laughs> and Andy Williams, <laughs> Dean Williams. This is some sort of cabaret act that does. Andy Williams numbers. So Dean Williams is a, is a mate of mine from Palace. Andy <laughs> Williams. I was thinking of Dean. Who's the other Rat Pack? Dean. Oh, Dean God. Martin. I've mixed up Dean Martin and Andy Williams there. That, that is a Rat Pack tribute night. The yeah. ultimate cruder. Yeah. Anyway, um, he's just too good for you. Uh, in reference to the Ebbs uh, Ed mm. performance, do you think the fans are starting to finally accept that Wilf is leaving at the end of the season? They see SA as Wilf's heir. I don't know about that bit. But I mean, Jack we don't is... need. Yeah, we we don't need to talk about Wilf right now. I might come but up it's the questions. first time, isn't it? Something that anyone first, else has had that song. First time I recall hearing it as um, as loudly as coherently across an, across an away section singing. I think there were comments from the press section. They can can comment on this, but I think um, journalists that were at the game kind of cited it as well. It was audible. So yeah, first time I think I've heard it from uh, be kind of transposed to another player from aside from Wilf. And the performance warranted it. Whether or not we keep with it, who knows? Um, I quite like the idea of retiring that when, as and when Wilf goes, whether that's this summer or not. I think um, Ebbs has probably earned his own chant this form, certainly. He's justifying it in the short term, at least. But um, great performance. Great performance. First half, a few moments of class, but didn't really influence the game. And, and I sense the game kind of changed when he got clobbered by Lavia as he kind of broke away, got clobbered, Lavia got a booking, um, Ebbs kind of chucked the free kick away by launching it into the way end, but I think that's just out of sheer frustration. But then within about five minutes, it's 1-0, and then he he just came to have fun. Some of the touches he showed, um, no more so than the one right at the end where I think he stole a bit of um, Maitland-Niles' soul, to be honest. that that would um, <laughs> Maitland-Niles is going to do well to come back from that. That was um, That's going to haunt him. That was unbelievable skill. But it wasn't, it wasn't just the, the, the kind of skill, just his impact on the game. He just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and said, we're going to win this game now and I'm going to be paramount to us doing that. 
the second goal is just magnificent. It's just a, a decision by one player to to put his mark on the game and the kind of touch to get away from from the op- uh, the opponent, and then the directness of the shot, the ability to hit a ball that hard, that accurately, um, is is brilliant. And you know, I think some some fans may well have missed that because it was just such an instantaneous moment, and uh, it put the game to bed. Um, but what a performance! And it kind of just encapsulates the mesmeric turnaround in his fortunes because you know I, I don't want to keep citing that Brighton game but I can't believe we're watching the same player that was so so poor against Brighton um four or five weeks ago I missed it um I was kind of calling I, you I, out I, a bit there, I know but, yeah. I know because I was looking at Palace shirts on eBay <laughs> <laughs> and I just heard oh I heard the oh and so I looked up enough to see it fly past the pick keeper into the bottom corner. So I was like, oh, that's clearly a good goal. And then you and everyone else going, what a goal. And I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, I've just missed an absolute belter. But well, I think you weren't I the think, only one. I think a lot of cameramen yeah. missed that goal. Because <laughs> yeah. it hits it so it hits it so early. And actually, Brackers, I think it's an interesting goal from an essay point of view, because I don't recall him scoring many. There was the one earlier in the season against Wolves or Leeds, I can't remember, where he hits it on the edge of the just Leeds. inside the box and takes, yeah. takes the first touch. Yeah. But but really for me he's like uh, the goal that, for me that that I always think about is the one against Sheffield United in lockdown the sort of was Sheffield United or was it Leeds I can't remember the the drib the sort of dribble yeah. yeah but I guess taking taking that kind of pot shot so early must be an indication of a player that is thriving on confidence yeah it has to be um i think the biggest thing i've I've probably learned working in football is that is that this game is anywhere upwards of 80 percent of of how important it is to to players um you know the confidence is arguably the biggest thing i i have to watch a lot of league two football for my job unfortunately and uh and sometimes these players produce moments of magic and you think oh how aren't they playing at a higher level how how, how aren't they doing this on a more consistent basis and it's because they don't have the confidence in their own ability to do it every week um you know looking at someone like ebbs i mentioned earlier that he's just putting an arm around his shoulder and telling him that that he is the you know i think i saw the, the quote from roy that he gave to match today just telling him he is ebrichi as a yeah he is this player that, that crystal palace has spent upwards of nearly 20 million pounds on to to be a sort of almost one of the franchise players to lead this club forwards it, it, you know it's beautiful to watch sometimes he's like a sort of south london maradona the way that he he shape shifts away from challenges and, and lures these players into a full sense of hope that they can get the ball off him and then boom he's away and 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 towards goal um I, i'd argue you know looking at what happened with him and this cruel, the cruel Achilles injury. He started to pick up a bit of form, didn't he, towards the end of last season. I think it was Southampton away in particular where mm. he produced a good performance and he got that goal back. And I remember speaking to him, I think it was at the start of the season after Montpellier, uh, the Montpellier friendly. I said, were you a little bit gutted that perhaps the season was coming to an end because you were just picking up your form again and, and finding your rhythm? And I'd argue maybe he probably was because of the way it might have stunted his, his development and growth back from that poor, uh, that cruel Achilles injury. Um, just in terms of, of the way he's hit the ground running in, in the last three games, he's he's been a superstar, isn't he? And I, I'm sure the uh, the club were right to, to turn down the Premier League interest, which might have been there from him in the past. Yeah, completely. You made a really, really good point, actually, because um, before he scores the goal on Saturday, he does a, that little, he loves that little drop of the shoulder twist sort of thing. Which, which And actually, South London Maradona is a, I'm going to use that as the title, I think, for this week, because that is, that is <laughs> lovely. But it is like that, that, that low centre of gravity sort of twisty thing. The the rumours were that when he did the Achilles injury on the training ground, he was sort of twisting and sort of doing... So actually, I'm, you know, players, when they have those kind of injuries, 
Um, and again, it's a confidence thing. I think often we'll, we'll hold back from doing something similar. But actually, Jack, he's, he's so confident. He's doing similar injury, similar moves to what he did when he got injured. The, and that's, you know, this is almost like full redemption of Ebbs. We're finally seeing him back to what we knew he was. And, and, I, and I'm just actually really sort of, you know, I'm not someone that really gets sort of like personally interested in players. Although I think I did say after a few drinks on Saturday that Ebbs is my, would be my favourite player if I was young enough to have a player's name on the back of my shirt, which I'm not because I'm 40 next year. But <laughs> I, I am actually, if you think about his personal journey in that time, I'm actually really, on a personal level, really happy for him because that's a horrendous thing to have gone through. I, I would perhaps ponder whether it's a confidence thing. The longer it goes between that injury and, and the next one, if there is to be a next one, the more confident he is to kind of showcase the movement and the, the agility that he showed before the injury. But that, uh, that turn of pace that I, I kind of touched on a moment ago to get away from Lavia and then eventually be clobbered by Lavia, I haven't seen that from him for a long time. That ability to burst 30, 40 yards very, very quickly and get us up the pitch, that's something I haven't seen, particularly since he's come back from injury. Um, he, you know, Because you associate him moving so gracefully with the ball, you don't really think about his sprint speed. But that, that was very impressive. And, and I do think it's a confidence thing. With the confidence in terms of his performance will come a confidence that... He's almost immune from injury, and you know I'm, I'm touching the table here, the wooden table, yeah, just in case same. you know we see something terrible on Saturday. But he he must feel kind of unbeatable at the moment. He 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 won a Premier League match on Saturday by himself. Yeah, it, it's it's unbelievable the the kind of transition in in his confidence levels and and the confidence levels that's being directed at him by from the technical area because it you know I, again I, I stray on to Patrick Vieira there, but I, I don't really want to talk about what's come before, but clearly as we see these performances week on week something just wasn't happening between manager and player um and as ed says a moment ago we've now got a manager coming in and telling him that he's every chairs and you know that's the that's who i want you to be and and that's what we're seeing and now we're going to wrap up part one but brackers there's a question here from julia toft hello julia, hey, julia. And I believe Roy May has said something about this possibly post-match on Saturday. Uh, she says, my question is, shouldn't Southgate be reconsidering Eze into the squad? Was Roy asked? I feel like I've seen some quotes from Roy being asked about He was, yeah. He was asked about it. He was asked whether he thought he had the potential to, to become an international player. And I, I don't think there's any doubt in, in Roy Hodgson's mind, even though he's the, the ever gentleman who, who never pushes for anything and never makes any bold claims and a, is a headline writer's nightmare. Um, he, he, there's no doubt in his mind that Everett Chiesa should should probably play for, for England if that's who he chooses to play for. I know he obviously he can represent Nigeria as well, but just in terms of, of, of what Ebrich has in, in his sort of artillery, he makes him sort of look like the, the perfect international player. He's, he's, he's different to, to what you think that maybe the likes of James Madison in sort of similar position can, can bring just due to the, the agility and, and balance that he has. Um, yeah, I, I know Roy, obviously, with his with his history with England, he was pretty sort of quick to say, I don't want to put any pressure on Gareth Southgate, but you have to assume that the way that Ebbs was so close before he had that injury, uh, the way that he's playing now, which I'd argue was better then, the way he's matured in his game, yeah. the way he's taking, as Jack said, winning Premier League games by himself, that has all the hallmarks of a player who's going to play for England. Selfishly, I kind of don't want that to happen because I'd rather he had a full pre-season with, with Palace. The yeah. next international break is mid-June because the Champions League finishes so late this season. So, you know, as much as it would be heartwarming to see a Palace player get an international call-up, as it always is, I'd rather Southgate held off until maybe September next year. But yeah, 
that's a, a pernickety thing from me, kind of <laughs> whinging. But I, I, I do think he would benefit from a full preseason, particularly with a, a new manager um, who's likely to be appointed. Or will he? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows? Well, it may, yeah, it may all be a familiar face. <laughs> but uh, that I, I hadn't realised until I had a quick look last night. I hadn't realised how late that international break is. Um, so there would be almost two weeks between end of Palace's season, him waiting around for the England call-up, the England call-up, the England service, and then going into our pre-season. So it, it could it could impact his pre-season. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm very much club before country. That's fair. Knowing what football is like, I suspect that two weeks is for everyone to go on holiday to Dubai before they then get the call-up. <laughs> and uh, uh, But that would be a nice personal full circle for him, given that he got the call-up the same day that he did the injury. So, you know, from a narrative, that would be nice. But um, I am also with you in that I like our players and not necessarily... <laughs> Once they go to England, you think, well, they'll be gone in a season then, but... Anyway, that's that's a negative approach. Well, I, 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 yeah, let, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's let's. You know, that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll take a break now because that was a lovely chat. Really, and it's it's so nice to be talking about our players and our team in a positive light. Uh, but we'll come back and we've got loads of questions from our listeners. My brother-in-law died suddenly. And now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. We are, for the most part, a reactionary society. If your neighbor has a break-in, you think about getting an alarm. If your buddy gets laid off, you say, I better buckle down at work. If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. 
So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. It's pod 469, and it's time for questions from our listeners. Here's one from Magic Cheese 72. Magic. Magic Cheese, one of our favorite listeners. Mainly because he's put loads of emojis in his questions. Um, as many of the FYP team were at St. Mary's, what was the favorite chant of the day? Which chant has got stuck in your head? Eze's on fire. That's, that, was, that, was, that was a good one. Uh, or status quo's Sam Johnson in goal. Oh, yeah. Super Sam Johnson in goal. Or something else. Great day away again. Hashtag well played, lads. Um, we know who was singing the Sam Johnson song loudest, don't we, Jack? Uh, Joe Whitworth. Indeed. Just a couple of uh, seats away from us. He was having a very good afternoon. Um, has that has a Palace player been in the way since? I remember Punch in the fifth round at Spurs in the cup run when we got to the final. But I don't know if I've heard or seen a Palace player in the away end since. So... Great. I mean, any I any professional footballer that's starting his afternoon in Yates is is good by me. So well, well, well played, Joe. Uh, but yeah, he had a great time. He was very calm with fans asking for pictures. So hopefully he had a, he had a good afternoon. Um, yeah, it was great to see him in the away end. Um, a favourite chant? I don't know. I I quite liked. Oh, not necessarily the chant itself. And I'm not a particularly big status quo fan, but. Uh, I did quite like Sam Johnson getting a call out in only a second game, although it did make me feel sorry for Vinny that he's not had one in, in five seasons. But um, yeah, probably that one because it encapsulated the the good place that we're in at the moment. Yeah, quite. Well, in fact, Tyreek Mitchell doesn't have one either. And he's obviously back to form and has been our w- first choice for two years. Wardy doesn't really have one. It's been 11 years. Just I have to stop singing as soon as I get to the ground. I'm just by myself. <laughs> uh, thoughts, Brackers? I mean, the SA on fire one is, I know it's been done by other clubs and stuff, but it is... It is an enjoyable one. It is nice to hear. Did they did they come across loud and clear into the press box? They did, yeah. From the first minute, you could just tell the Palace fans were up for it. I think having the drum there helped. So um, it was sort of, but you sort of took it over in the, in the fact that it made South, St Mary's St Mary's almost sound like Selhurst in that way. And it, it, you know, this is what this is what wins do to football clubs. They bring the confidence back. They they bring the happy days back. Um, I think probably my favourite one was going down that one. Uh, are we oh, yeah. something? It was so heartwarming because on the touchline, you can see, you know, even during the game when Palace fans are asking Rory for a wave or, or a clap. And it, it, considering where the football club was at a few weeks ago, a month ago, you know, people 
despairing at what might be and and not thinking rationally because of felt like you're breaking up with a girlfriend who you thought you had a few years with and you, you planned your long-term future with but this yeah it, it just feels like it just it was so heartwarming to see Roy coming back and and giving the Palace fans a wave it, it was a, it was really 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 nice to see we were we were on wave watch weren't we Jim <laughs> Because we, it started early. It started so early. I thought, nah, he's, he's too much of a gent. He wouldn't disrespect Saints by yeah. I keep calling them Saints. I've got no affinity with them. I, don't, I didn't want him. I thought he might not want to disrespect Southampton. Um, but he was he was waving away from about fifty minutes. So confident, couldn't, couldn't help himself. But he's clearly he's clearly loving it, isn't he? He's yeah. he's clearly thriving being back where he loves. Um, perhaps thought that. He uh, he wouldn't have this opportunity to come up again, particularly at Palace, as as Ed says, given how call of um, adoring we were with Patrick Vieira and for things to turn around so quickly in terms of the club's form and the fact the decision had to be made. Roy probably can't believe his luck in the nicest possible way, and he's got three thousand Palace fans absolutely in the palm of his hand right now. On, on, well, sort of not right now on Saturday, he's got the whole fan base in his hand right now. But on Saturday, he had three thousand people begging for a wave, <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he gave and he obliged. And that chant, actually, Brackett is right, that chant, like, you just, you know, four weeks ago, if you looked at Twitter, you absolutely had no idea that they'd be singing that. And actually, the only time I can remember it is, is Hillsborough 2010, you know, so it's just, it's it's a weird juxtaposition to hear it coming back. But I suspect we were waiting, aren't we? We were waiting at the, out of the away end for um, Joe Cop to do our post-match pod uh, and... I, the fans were coming out singing it, and I was thinking, I suspect quite a few of those fans were the same that were angry on Twitter at the time. So the turnaround, <laughs> and I know lots of, actually, what's been really nice, a lot of people on Twitter, and there was a few questions, people have said, like, you know, fair play, um, you know, I was wrong about Roy, or it said to was wrong about Steve, whatever. So um, it's just it's just the speed of it. It's just nice. It's just nice. It's nice. It's all, like, fuzzy and warm and lovely, and uh, let's hope Palace don't find a way to ruin that. But I don't think they will. I think the end of the season looks good. After the after the way it ended the first time with Roy, it, it didn't feel natural to me a little bit. You know, the with the whole lockdown situation, only a few thousand fans were, were allowed in the game versus Arsenal. You end at a, a two 0 defeat at Liverpool that nobody really wants to remember. This feels like a, a proper send off. If if it is going to be a send off for these last seven games, it feels like it's it's one he has earned, he's deserved, and and it's fitting ends a sort of his career in football yeah of course it was a fairy tale the first time round, and this is just the icing or the cherry on top of the cake that sort of rounds it all off i, I had a quick look yeah, at the ticket really website great. yesterday um had a couple of friends asking for for tickets bournemouth and forest are sold out already and i think west ham and everton are very close to it as well so you know forest at home on the last day of the season presuming everything stays positive and presuming well even you know even if he just achieves the objective of keeping us up I, I just hope Selhurst is is rocking for for his goodbye at the end of that game if it is goodbye we've probably flirted enough Jim without talking about Roy in the future <laughs> I suspect yeah do you know what there's a question here that actually does go on to that um, I suspect there'll be a banner of some sort and I think there'll be all sorts of attributions to him and 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 quite rightly Jamie Peniston Raja hello hey, Jamie, Jamie. This is really interesting. It says, what skills or attributes are there that makes Roy the manager he is? I mean, that is a big and a good question, Jack. And then he does go on to say, what did the club do to support a new manager coming in? You know, if it's not Roy, or do they look for something different coming up? He says, personally, I'd love Potter. Um, Murray showed it's possible to cross the divide. Um, but anyway, just that first bit on what Roy brings to the club, I think it's a really interesting question. What do you think? Pretty quite like... Um... 
maybe broader characteristics than just football specific, but I think it's his patience, it's his wisdom, um, the kind of grandeur that he brings to to the position and the role. Like, I just think it, and all of them kind of bring this collective sense of calmness to the situation. I think if if the change had been made in terms of manager and we brought someone in who perhaps wasn't as known to to the club or didn't know the club themselves, I think we wouldn't be feeling as as confident as confident as comfortable as as we were, particularly with the results, you know, having the upturn that they've had. But he just brings that air of seniority. And I think the fact that he comes with an assistant manager who's so well respected by the players, the fan base, and, and those within football just generally, I think the fact there's two of them on the training pitch, it's almost reassuring. And, and we touched on it a few weeks ago, I think ahead of the Leicester game, or it may well have been just after the Leicester game, where we talked about how astute it was at the club to release more footage from the training ground to see how receptive the players were to Roy's return. I thought that was a real um, moment for the fan base to actually see that and, and perhaps calm down slightly. Maybe some fans saw that and thought, oh, actually, if the players are responding positively, maybe I should think about how I'm feeling about it. Um, and the club have continued to release footage of of Roy and Ray positively engaging with the players. But it's just this general kind of calmness and grandeur that I think that Roy brings. Um, and to have him at the helm right now just feels really comfortable and and kind of alleviates any concern. I think the fact, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in light of three wins, but yeah, yeah. I, I think even if perhaps it had been one win and two draws or, you know, perhaps two wins and a loss, I'd probably still be saying the same because he has brought this sense of, of um, all this air of authority that I think was perhaps lacking beforehand. Do you think, Brackers, it's a respect thing as well? Because Vieira clearly had the respect of the players from his playing days, and a lot of them looked up to him and were maybe even sort of overawed by him in some way. But Roy has Roy's experience, I think, as a manager, I think gives him a different kind of respect amongst a sort of football player fraternity. Yeah, 100%. Um, he's a gentleman, isn't he? And as, as I mentioned at the start, I'm privileged enough to, to get to speak to him. And obviously, I got to speak to Patrick Vieira every week. And it's okay, Patrick Vieira is you respect him for everything that he's done in the game as a player. But towards the end of his time, even during stints during his first season, you kind of felt that he wasn't always necessarily either A, believing in what he was saying or, or, he couldn't get across what he was saying and it kept repeating over and over and over again. You know, I lost count of the amount of times I was sitting at Patrick Vieira press conference and, and he'd lament Palace missing chances or not being ruthless enough in situations. Um, but with Roy Hodgson, it's a, every Premier League manager references the respect they have for Roy Hodgson in terms of what he's achieved in the game. None of them actually want to work for as long as in the game as he's done, but his it's just it's it's not even like a granddad figure or an uncle figure. It's it's just a, a look a looking up to sort of figure that you respect. You understand that this person's been there, done it, and you have to listen to what they're saying because they only want the best for you. It's it's not a. I spoke to I spoke to um, oh damn, what's his name the. Uh, what was the first team coach whose name has completely slipped my mind who I spoke Oss- to? Ossian or Christian? No, the, the guy who was at Palace under Roy for oh, the first uh, Dave, time. Oh, Dave Reddington. Yeah, Dave Reddington. My, but I spoke to Dave Reddington and he said it's never a sort of military military sort of approach that they take with the players. It's a, well, I think this could happen. What do you think about it? And I, I imagine for a player to hear that Roy Hodgson wants to know what you have to say about the situation just breathes even more confidence into them to trust in their own ability. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've had a question here from Gareth uh, Richards. Jim, can I just add, oh, just, on, yeah, yeah. On, just on top of all of that 
kind of person side of things, you, you can't really look or ignore the tactical acumen that the guy has as well. Clearly he's come in and it doesn't look as though he's tweaked that many things, but he has tweaked a few things. Players are playing five yards in a different direction than they were. The impact of Jeffrey Slapp and Ebbs playing slightly higher as the higher parts of the midfield three, all the while not making Czech Decore look as isolated as perhaps he did at earlier parts of the season. Jordan Ayew looks like a man reborn. It, it's There are things that, that Roy and Ray will have tweaked, and that is obviously down to you know, a generation worth of experience that he's built up. So there, there are the the kind of personal characteristics that Ed and myself have just touched on, but, you know, can't really ignore the the tactical uh, mindset that, that Roy brings as well. Speaking of, David Kent. Hello, David. David. I said, do, does the panel think Roy would have set up the team to play throughout most of the season? Would have been far different from how he has set them up to play the last 10 games? What do you think, Jack? With the players available... I think he probably would. I, th- I don't think any manager really plays much of a different eleven to the one that that Roy has been playing because the Roy's eleven doesn't really differ much from Patrick Vieira's, other than than Ebb's playing more consistently in more minutes. Um, obviously, there's there's questions whether you play Klein or Wardy, um, but the centre halves pick themselves, the left back picks themselves, Czech Decore picks himself. The midfield is probably the area where there would be a little bit more fluidity in terms of selection. I think if um, if you're looking at the the attacking, you probably play Edward, Wilf, Michael Alise, Jordan Ayew also comes in to thinking. But um, I think in terms of player selection, um, not much would differ. But yeah, I, I think, and, and and with that in mind, I think the formation is probably quite similar as well um, by any manager. Um, so I think Roy would probably play in a similar way. Whether Roy would approach a 38-game season the same as a 10-game season, I think that's um, maybe something we'll see next season. lovely lovely. (laughs) i don't think any manager would to be honest i think every manager would approach those situations differently but jack and i've discussed this at length on the pod so brackers let's get your opinion because the questions come in from mike phillips dot dot one he's the best mike phillips out there and he says how many more wins do we need for roy to become a genuine option for next season or do we think that if we win every game he'll be happy walking away after a job well done Uh, in terms of how many wins we need for Roy to become a genuine option next season, I think we've probably already reached that mark, haven't we? Um, <laughs> you know, the, just just in terms of listening to the players, what they have to say, the way that they're producing it on the pitch, I think I, th- I think it would be foolish not to not to consider whether he'd take it up for another year just to see what's out there. If if, if a clear option doesn't doesn't become available in the summer and, and we're left panicking again for a few weeks and, and when we waste another pre-season like we did with this one, um, you think that they'd probably already think, oh, well, we've already got the man in charge who's doing the job. Okay, would he want it given, of course, his age? Of, I'm not an ageism thing, but just where he is in his career, would he want it? He's, he referenced he probably thought he was never going to get back into to football management again after Palace the first time round, and he's done it twice. So, um, And what was the second part of the question? Sorry, J.D.? The second part of the question was... Um, oh, do we think that even if we win every game, he'll happily walk away after a job well done? Uh, I think he would walk away. Uh, I think he would walk away. I don't think he'd stay in a, a sort of technical advisor role or anything like that. He's he's very sort of straight in the fact that he, once he leaves the football club, he leaves it. He doesn't stay around to to, to help the new manager settle in. The, the one thing I would 
be keeping as an option if if we decide not to go with Roy again for another season would be whether Ray Lewington and Paddy McCarthy would stick around as the sort of backroom staff to help guide that that manager in place because if you're looking at it from a universe a different universe and thinking okay if we had Patrick Vieira Ray Lewington and Paddy McCarthy as the the sort of trio spearheading it or maybe it things could have played out in a different way but that's that's by the by because nobody will ever know how that works out but if if that was an option, that'd be something I'd, I'd be looking at, certainly. I think that's really interesting. And I think you're right about Roy not sticking around. We get questions most week. Would he be technical director to Graham Potter? Would he do? He just doesn't. His, his personality is that he uh, he comes in, does a job and goes, and he's either the manager or he's nothing else. I mean, I, don't, I just don't think that's something we'll see. I think, I think it's even I, more complicated with a director of football in place as well. I, I don't see how kind of Roy sits above a manager with a director of football next to him and the coach underneath him, unless you get Paddy McCarthy to become your first team coach and you go down that approach only. But yeah, I, I think for the reasons you both outlined, I, I, I think the idea of Roy staying above someone else is probably for the birds, to be honest. Would you both be against the idea of keeping him on for another season? Not with, what we, not with what we've seen. I think my thinking is probably dictated by the options that are out there. The fact yeah, that there is a Graham Potter yeah. available, a, a Graham Potter. The fact that Graham Potter <laughs> the is available, Graham Potter. the Graham Potter, um, other Graham Potters are available. <laughs> um, but the fact that Graham Potter is available, it's probably worth a conversation. Brendan yeah. Rogers, I'm not so sure. I think, um, I, I don't know how well suited he would be. Um, kind of the circumstance the club finds itself in. There are other options on the continent. You see Arnie Slot from Feyenoord being discussed, not just with Palace, but with other kind of Premier League clubs as well. So there are probably better place conversations to be had, but with every passing week and with every passing performance, the case for Roy to stay on for another season, um, it, it would seem daft to completely ignore the idea. Um, if Roy was to kind of guide us to scraping Premier League security, Premier League security, we'd all be very grateful for the job he'd done and we'd all mm. say thanks very much. But, you know, if we win, even just another three games, we'd be finishing on 45 points, which I think would be one of our best ever Premier League finishes. So it's not, with the fixtures that are ahead, it's not, you know, beyond the realms of possibility that we pick up at least three more wins, possibly four, and and then we're, we're looking at 45, 48 points, which given Chelsea's plummeting, could be good enough for 11th and maybe even start to look at Fulham. But... Yeah, I think there are, my personal preference right now would be that we do look elsewhere simply because of the kind of future-proofing idea, but I'm certainly not against the idea. Um, yeah. yeah. Jim? Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be absolutely shocked if, if the next sort of manager didn't have any sort of Premier League experience to, to come with them. That was the only point I was going to add. I completely, I completely agree. My only worry with Roy staying on, and in terms of sort of feeling safe in his hands, I wouldn't have any other emotion. I'd feel fine. My only, I feel like this is like a perfect send off, and I just slightly worry. And it wouldn't be the same as before because there's a better squad, a younger squad, better options. Mm. But I slightly worry if then there's a couple of injuries to Eze or Elise or something, and he's forced to play more of the squad players. We go back to people complaining, oh, Roy Ball this, Roy Ball that, et cetera, et cetera. It'd be nice if he just left. On a on a on a, on a flurry and we and fanfares and banners and we and we say you look it is retirement if you want it you you go and enjoy yourself and thank you we, so much for saving us again. Well, did didn't he do he well he did do a talk sport interview yesterday which again it's very open of him yeah. to there's not many active Premier League managers who go and do half hour interviews on a on a leading radio broadcast with Simon Jordan 
with Simon Jordan. <laughs> um, so it's on their, you know, their flagship morning show. He talked at length about, you know, the situation at Palace, but he he also was quite open about his previous exit in that he was the one that initiated the conversation of, you know, I think you need to move on. And this was with three months notice, which in hindsight makes the delay in appointing a manager that summer even dafter than it actually was. Yeah. But the fact that he did give notice suggests to me that he's a man who appreciates his own circumstances. Um, and I echo your point, Jim, that this is the perfect send of players, but it wasn't giving him perhaps the the celebration that, that he warranted. Um, this one does. If he does the job and we're playing some lovely stuff and, and the, the positive atmosphere within the club is sustained and it's a home fixture last game of the season, I think it's the perfect goodbye. And I wouldn't want him to take that with an awkward conversation in, in October, November next season where we say, sorry, Roy, it's not working. Yeah. Cheerio. Completely. Yeah. So, Completely agree. yeah. Some, yeah. some things like... Football is a weird, you know, football changes all the time, but some things just feel um, right sometimes, um, and this kind of feels like I'm it, sure there's a song sung by Dean Williams that would <laughs> sum that moment up perfectly, Jim. <laughs> and we'll play out with it. Um, we won't. We'll end the season with it. We'll end the season with it. We're going to play out with uh, Gala, I think, aren't we? In, in, in Let's not spoil uh, it. Let's not spoil okay. it. Okay. Well, anyway, all right. It, it might be status quo. It might be. That's true, actually. That's Who knows? We've you got have to find out. You have to listen to the rest of the podcast or skip through to find <laughs> out. But it still cancels listen for us, so thank you. Anyway, it won't be uh, the Venga. It won't be the Venga boys, unfortunately, Jean Philippe. <laughs> no. And it probably won't be till the end of the season. Although, who knows? Anyway, let's take a break there. Great question. Sorry, there's loads more to answer, but we've run out of time. But uh, please keep sending them in because there's some great questions. Um, maybe some week, maybe Jack during the summer, we'll do a question special or something where what using the ones from no. April? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, where we can spend more time on questions because I always feel like we don't really, but uh, I, I think it's a great idea. Um, after the break, winners and losers. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Fabio Pan Podcast. We pods 496, 569, oh, who knows. Uh, it's time for winners and losers, uh, where we're going to pick... Well, losers sounds harsh. Winners and, I guess, not winners, because there's not even must-do-betters this week. It's just, or maybe just winners, who knows. I don't think there are any losers at all. Um, Brackers, let's come to you first for yours. Uh, an absolute plethora of options. Who are you going to go for? I was I was rattling my brain throughout last night and this morning trying to think of someone who who deserved it other than Richieze. But the conclusion I've come to is, is Jeffrey Schlupp for my winner of the week. Um, 
I think looking at his Palace career overall, um, arguably, okay, we've picked up Vicente Guaita on a free, Joel Ward for 400,000. But in the Premier League, our, one of our best pound for pound signings in terms of the output he's delivered to the club has to be Jeffrey Schlupp. Um, yeah, he looks he looks reborn under Roy Hodgson. I think I was listening to the post match pod and someone said he's that number fifteen in in the in the middle of the of the pitch, you know, the bursting runs, the intercepting play, winning the clever fouls like Jordan Ayew. He's uh, you, you feel for Albert Sami Lukonga because when Jeffrey Schlupp's delivering performances like that, you, you feel he might not get another chance at Crystal Palace to, to really show what he can do. Um, it just just in terms of what he brings to the side, he's probably underappreciated. Um, and he's probably, if you look at the rest of the Premier League, I doubt they look at our squad and think, oh, I take him in, in our starting eleven. But for the job he does for Crystal Palace, for the way he performed at Southampton, uh, giving it all for those 80 sort of minutes and what I've noticed is Roy seems to take him off around that time because he's he's left everything on the pitch. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was absolutely superb. Completely agree, and it's really nice to hear some sloppy laugh. And and Jack, has he left everything on the pitch or left nothing out there? Oh, he's left it all out there. He's left it all out there. He's left it all out there. I think I I, I it's lovely to hear Jeff be uh, be referred to as a winner because unfortunately we've called him. Or, or named him the loser so many times this season because there were so many underwhelming performances in probably the mid part of this season. Um, but he, yeah, to, to use Ed's term, he's, he's completely reborn under Roy. He's, he's got a, a stricter brief. And I do think that that point that Ed touches on there in terms of you've got to set 70, 80 minutes to give me to, to Jeff is the instruction. And Will Hughes then comes on and, and does what Will Hughes does very well and tidies up for the last 10, 15 minutes. So, yeah. All credit to, to Jeff. Um, he's clearly loving life as well. I thought his celebration with with Ebbs after Ebbs' second goal was utterly charming, to be honest. Just applauding a great goal um, was, was lovely. And, uh, yeah, I think Jeff's form, form of Jordan IU, is, is probably being slightly underplayed because of, you know, how startling Ebbs' transformation has been. But um, Jordan IU and, and Jeffrey Schlapp have, have certainly benefited from a change of manager. Okay, time for a bit of self-reflection then, Jack. Do yeah. you think that those times when we were putting Schluppy in the uh, losers slash must-do-betters, do you think actually that we underappreciate the things that Schlupp brings to the table, even in the bad games in terms of his attributes on the pitch? And we're now seeing him again, maybe a bit of confidence injected into him by Roy and Ray. Do you think actually we are a bit too harsh on Schluppy sometimes and we don't necessarily appreciate the things that he does off the ball or even in the games where he's not quite at it? I do think it would be rewriting history to say that he hasn't performed particularly well in certain games this season. I do think to say that we've maybe underplayed how important he would be would be probably faux praise. From I do think there have been games where I'm genuinely questioning what he's doing on the pitch, but that has also been accompanied with a kind of uh, a query as to what is his, what has the manager, what have the coaches been saying to Jeff in yeah. the week as to what yeah. is your, he he often looked at certain times of season stuck between attack and defence and yeah. as a result has just come across as a bit of a passenger. Yeah. Um, as was the case with Ebbs in certain games, I do think the midfield, which I guess is um, an interesting point given that Patrick Vera was such a dominating midfielder, I do think the midfield was often our weakest point under Vieira. And I think slight tweaks that Roy and Ray have made, whether that's tactical or just confidence building, um, are, are probably a, a contributing factor to the change of, of form. Um, but there are certain tweaks that Roy and Ray have made with, with Jeff's game in particular that are clearly improving him. But yeah, that we probably have 
found ourselves in a bit of a rut with Jeff in terms of winners and losers this season where we were just like, oh, it's probably Jeff again because he just wasn't impacting games. But, you know, I, I take Ed's point on there definitely that in terms of, you know, contribution and, and sustained contribution over a six-year period, that 10 million, 12 million that we invest in Jeffrey Schlapp has probably been paid back and more um, in the contributions that he's made. I think he's nearly at 200 appearances. I was doing some appearance wow, research. Uh, yeah, I was doing some appearance research yesterday for... Um, uh, Joel Ward to see where he was and uh, <laughs> just just like, like you were doing it just for Joel for him. No, like I, I actually no because I, I was actually wondering where Joel might be come the end of the season, um, given that you know Roy very much trusts him. Sorry, not to talk about Joel Ward, but we're talking about Jeffrey Schlupp. But I was interested in that, and then I saw that Jordan Ayew, Jeffrey Schlupp, Luca yeah. Yeah. are all very very close to two hundred appearances, which in a mm. era where we've only been playing thirty eight league games a season compared to you know, 46 games as many seasons have, have had previously um, is testament to how much of a contribution those players have made to a sustained period of top flight football. You need to stop Googling Joel Ward. It's a permanent, it's my homepage. It's my homepage. <laughs> he goes um, above, his next performance, he goes above Simon Roger to go ninth in the all-time Palace appearance list. Wow, wow. Looking forward to that testimonial, whenever that is. Is that this summer? Have they said, have they said anything about that? No. I think there are, asked, there are there are suggestions whispers, that whispers, aren't there? But well, I think there's whispers that Joel Ward doesn't necessarily want a testimonial, particularly while he's mm. still playing. I think that's right. That's that's, that's fair. That's fair. That's very fair. Um, right. Without trying to dwell on this feature for too long, there is a really interesting question here that I'm going to put to Brackers actually, which I think actually does relate to Sloppy. Uh, from Michael Smith. Hello, Michael. Hey, Michael. Who do you think is the most improved player since Roy has returned, excluding Eze? For me, Ashley Mitchell. But I guess Schluppy is in there. I think you could you could count Joel Ward, Schluppy, Tyree Mitchell, Jordan Ayew. I, I mean, they've all improved, haven't they? But in terms of Schluppy and, and Mitchell in particular, they 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 really look like they've got their confidence back alongside Ebbs. That you know, when they're not exactly the most technically gifted players but this i think you're going to use a sort of salesy bingo here they're the they're the, they're the steady eddies aren't they to go alongside the flash stars that's what every premier league side needs um they're they're, they're real assets and schlappy in particular as i mentioned he, ne- he never looked natural in that that role that Vieira was asking him to do I, i'm not sure whether he was asking him to sit alongside the core push mm-hmm. further forward man mark and he kind of changed every week and for a football player, if you want to feel your best all the time, you're gonna you want to be asked to do what you're good at, and that's what Roy is asking of Jeffrey Schlapp to do, and Palace are, are reaping the rewards from it. Absolutely agree, Jack. Where would you? How would you answer that question? I'll answer that with my winner, Jordan Ayew. I, I, I think Jordan Ayew, um, his performance on 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 Saturday, even in a quite you know dim first half there wasn't much to write home about in the, in the first half from from Palace perspective other than being relatively solid I thought Jordan Ayew showed endeavour and, and willingness to get forward whenever he could um, there was a particularly fantastic Jordan Ayew 20 seconds where he dribbled the ball from our corner flag beat two or three players looked like a well beater and then just ran the ball out of play <laughs> which was Jordan Ayew but, but in doing that he got us up the pitch yeah, 75 yeah. yards yeah. Um, and, and I think what you're seeing under Roy is a player who is familiar with a coach who it's pretty fair to say Jordan Ayew played his best Premier League football under that was the season where he got nine goals just that familiarity with a manager who he trusts who's tr- who the manager trusts him yeah um, and, and technically, I think Jordan Ayew is really underrated. Okay, he's not a particularly potent goal threat. 
he did assist. Well, I don't think it goes down to an assist, but it was his dribble that put the ball in the box for Ebbs' first on, on Saturday. Probably more of an assist than Czech Decore, who does technically get an assist for Ebbs' second goal, but that's a different story. Sorry to talk uh, FPL there, Jim, at you. I'm sure you're uh, familiar with that already. I think I oh, did get the assist, I think. Did he? For, okay. I think if the keeper spills it, it does count. Keeper spills. Okay. Well, that's good. Sorry, listener. We've dribbled into <laughs> FPL content there. But um, Jordan Ayew, his, his ability to run at the defenders, his close control is absolutely superb. Um, and I think we've seen a, a significant step up in level from Jordan in Wilf's absence. And let's mention, you know, all of this is happening while Wilf is not on the pitch, which um, is, is probably a conversation for another day. But Jordan Ayew, my winner this week. And, um, you know... Shrewd business by the club getting him signed onto that contract extension before the big boys come calling in the summer. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Lovely. I think the ha- I think the happiest person that Palace are performing without Wilf is Wilf. Because yeah. he's loving when life. It does, yeah, when it does come back, the pressure's off. You know, think of the options now. Um, Anna Mondrell. Hello, Anna. Anna. Agrees with you, Jack. All the plaudits will rightly go to Eze, but this is an appreciation tweet for IU. He's been fantastic the last three games. Yeah. And then Tim Byers. Hello, hey, Tim. Tim. One of our listeners who likes to email in, uh, which I always like receiving. He's yes. Put, Love it. Uh, contact at fipfanzine.uk if anyone else wants to. Uh, he's put, hi, Jim, Rob, Jack, Kevin, Dom, Grace, Andy, Adam, Joe, Amy, Ruben, and all. Oh, sorry, Brackers. Not, not based on you. From next week. From, from next, next week, week Ed, you'll, you'll, you Believe me, you'll be added. Um, another great away win. Mason see Palace flying. Knowing Jordan Ayew has been a difference maker in this run of positive results, where do you put him back? Where do you put him when Wolf is back? At number nine, as Selzy says, on the bench, let him stand left wing. Actually, Brackers is a bit of a bit of a question. It is. It's a conundrum, is it? Well, what do we do with Jordan Ayew? Because for what he brings to the team and, and the way he wins, I think he's probably one of the best in the world at winning those clever free kicks. Um, when he's got his, his body shielding around the ball and, and all the defenders around him and he'll just win the free kick in, in the opposition half to relieve the pressure. He's uh, probably arguably he's, he's incredible at that. Um, in, in terms of when Will's back, uh, I think it'd be wrong to say that Wolf doesn't immediately come back into the, the starting lineup. Yeah. In terms of just, you know, he's world class, isn't he? In, in everything he does, um, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel upset or disappointed to see Jordan Ayew anywhere near. You know, if, I wouldn't be feel upset or disappointed to see Jordan Ayew starting. Put it that way. Yeah, I spoke to him. I, I, I was going to say actually, I spoke to him after the uh, after the Leeds game, and he, he admitted himself it's not always been easy for him at Crystal Palace. I can, I, and that was the first time he scored a brace in the Premier League, which is is crazy for a forward. But it just shows, as as we mentioned throughout, the confidence that that Roy and Ray and, and even Paddy have, have have instilled in this group in such a short space of time. Did he smile when you spoke to him? Uh, he did not. No. <laughs> 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 even after a brace in the Premier League. My word, that guy's commitment to Grimace is, is genuinely <laughs> quite impressive. Um, it's a question, it's a question, Jack, isn't it? But actually, I was going to say, uh, he's such a good squad player. He's such a good sort of servant that actually, if he is on the bench, you know that you'll get a good half an hour of him coming up, shore, shoring things up or contributing anyway. He's actually, there's almost like not, maybe it's Jeffrey Schlupp syndrome, not quite one position or role he's good at. You take either. Uh, yeah, his versatility has probably been to his own detriment at times that we, you know, had a striker who scored nine goals in one season and then, you know, due to maybe gaps elsewhere in the team, he ended up having to play elsewhere while others played centrally. But I meant um, as like a squad role because like Will Hughes has definitely become, comes on for the last half an hour, shores things up. But with I mean, Ayu, you'd yeah. happy with starter or bench. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he might not be happy with that, but yeah. I'll I tell you what he's probably become, and this is maybe slightly unfair on Jean-Philippe Mateta who, you know, 
scored an incredibly important goal just two weeks ago. But Jordan Ayew is probably our second, with, with with the luxury of Wilf coming back, and, and I don't actually know what the the kind of time scale is for that. But if if Wilf comes back in at um, as, as kind of the left side of the three. And Edward, who again, I think, you know, that talks about the others that have improved. I think we've seen an upturn in, in Elton Edwards' form as well. Um, no goal this weekend, but I thought some of his link up play was quite nice. Um, but Jordan Ayew probably is challenging Elton Edward for the number nine with Wolf's back. Um, and, and yeah, I, I don't see any issue with that. But yeah, I, th- I think Palace fans are certainly looking at Jordan Ayew more favourably, looking at Jeffrey Schluck more favourably, which is just a kind of confirmation of the improvement in their form. Do we know, Brack, is anything on Wilf's return? Uh, he was out running last week. Um, I think it's progressing well. I, I, maybe Everton, if, if not Everton, I certainly think he'd be back for Wolves. Interesting. We'll preview Everton in a bit. Let's. Oh, my winner, by the way, is, um, is Steve Parrish. Mm-hmm. I think rarely has a chairman been vindicated so quickly, I think, in a decision which obviously was not easy to take. Uh, and did cop him quite a, a, a big amount of flack, but uh, I think he'd been proven right. So, um, and I've seen, as I said before, quite a lot of uh, apology tweets to Steve. So, which I, I don't even think he probably wants. Uh, he did, he just wants Palace to do well. So, I don't think he's reveling in that. But I think this has been a big win for him. Do you think he's back. got? Do you think he's got a list of Palace tweets, uh, Twitter <laughs> accounts that he's waiting for apologies from? Uh, no comment. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, no fair no. play. I mean, in, in terms of a decision, it, it doesn't really get much better. Yeah, uh, you know, he he was interviewed that day when when Vieira was sat, and he said it was done with a heavy heart. Yeah. And I'm sure he he didn't want to make that phone call or whatever it was, but he didn't want to make that call. Um, but to have the you know confidence in himself to make that decision, and it have the impact it had. Yes, there's no argument with it. Just a month on is the yeah. Does that does that mean then, Jack? Because as as a, we didn't even do a loser last week, and really it's hard to pick one. Does that actually mean that I guess the loser this week and maybe last week is Patrick Vieira? Well, unfortunately, as the weeks go by, it, it is starting to look like he he didn't have as steady a hand on on the tiller as perhaps we hoped he had, and and some minor tweaks in team selection and, and maybe some minor tactical changes have have uh, have seen this improvement in performance and results. I, I do think the discussion as to would Vieira, as Martin Keown keep wants, keep want, keep, keeps wanting to have on, on national uh, media about Vieira would have just won these three games. I just don't believe that would have happened. You know, you're going from uh, the longest winless run in, in the league this season across all 20 teams. Was it 12, I think? To winning three on the bounce. It's just not happening. It's uh, particularly with... The, the biggest catalyst in those performances being Ebbs's impact on those games. Ebbs wasn't being played consistently by that manager. I, 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 sorry, I just don't believe that argument. I, I get that some people think Roy's been fortunate with the fixtures, and, and relatively speaking, he has. But he still had to go and win those games. Those teams have all had something to fight for themselves. Um, and I, I just don't believe that Vieira would have won those three games. He may well have stopped the rut. We may well have won one of these last three. I, I don't dispute that. But there's, there's no way that Patrick Vieira wins those three having come off a, a 12-game run of not having a win. I, I think we probably would have been okay and would have stayed up, but it wouldn't have been as, as you say, it wouldn't have been that kind of turnaround in form, I don't think. Obviously, we'll never know. But uh, I think all the signs, particularly not playing SA, I think points to that. Um, I, I will say... We've that, just John, spent the last 15 minutes talking about the improvement of 
you know, a central midfielder, a, a wide player and our left back. I don't think we can honestly have those conversations be like, well done on this new manager returning those players to form while also being like, but the previous one would have done exactly the same well, because he just wouldn't have. Well, quite exactly. I think all the evidence is there as much as that opinion might be an elephant in the room. I think it's, I just, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, but without I, I labor, gonna, I was going to say, actually, I, I, as I said at the start, the feeling I got was that Patrick Vieira had, had lost the, lost the fight for, or had almost come become sort of acceptance of it was accepting what Crystal Palace were turning into. He was, he was accepting the defeats, accepting the, the no shots on target. I've caught you every time. Of course we want to improve, but you know, it's not good enough in, in the Premier League. That's the bottom line of it. You have to get results by hook or by crook. You have to, you have to grind out the one nil wins or you have mm-hmm. to tell these players that they're the best that, that you've ever seen, even if you don't believe it, just to get that extra five, 10% out of them in a, in a Premier League game, especially in a, in a league this season, which is unprecedented. That it's unbelievable that the amount of teams who still have something to fight for in these remaining seven games. Uh, the, the the direction I saw it, it was heading in was down just just due to the fact I if I stopped believing in what the manager was saying, and I okay, I'm a fan, but number one, I'm a journalist who goes there every week to listen to what he has to say. Imagine what the players who were mm-hmm. listening to it every day were starting to think. I think that's yeah. fair. So I'm going to put a... Just just one final point on Vieira. I do think positively, and I don't want to call Vieira a loser because he did so much in that 18 months that was such a good memory and, you know, it's some great times with him. I do think he showed enough, particularly in that first season, that he can get a very good job. Whether that job will be a Premier League job, I don't know, but I think there'll be a good enough, good enough and attractive jobs at the top end of the championship that I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe looks at what Vincent Kompany has done Mm. this season. And maybe, I don't know, the Leeds interest was kind of referred to in, in previous pieces. If Leeds don't stop the the rot and end up in the Championship, could Patrick Vieira start next season as as head coach at, at Ellen Road? Who knows? Well, I'm so glad you said that because I got one final question. And I think this will be it on Vieira for us on this podcast. Yeah. And it comes from Ian. Hello, Hi, Ian. Ian. And you can both answer it with one question if you want. Well, sorry, one one word. You don't have to dive up. Just whenever you, say, wh- wh- whenever you we'll say that on feeling, okay. But whenever you say that on this pod, it does lead to another four minutes of conversation. I don't know, and yeah. we do need to wrap up soon. <laughs> we need to. Yeah. People are fast forwarding to see what the song is at the end. So, yeah, Ian says Palace take ex-managers back more than most. If Vieira told Steve he knew the mistakes he'd made, he knew the right team to bring in, would you take him back? Jack, let's go to you. Uh, I'll, I'll caveat no with the support staff around him that he had I do think the coaching was a significant issue him as a character him as a figurehead maybe but I, I think the whole package wasn't really doing what we needed it to do that's what I would say interesting and Ian has alluded to that in the question I think Brackus right, okay. uh, no because he was not getting the best out of the players he had at his disposal and as Roy Hodgson has shown in the in the past three games not to be unleashing Eberichieze on on Premier League teams at this stage of the season is is criminal. So no, I, I wouldn't be taking Patrick Vieira back at Crystal Palace. Well said. Well said, both of you. That was uh, more. What about you? Concise. What about you? What about you? I think I think I share both your opinion. Although I like to envisage a future where Vieira has managed in the Championship for two seasons and really proved himself and got a different team around him and has proven that he's learned from the mistakes and maybe his his tough love approach has turned into a more supportive approach and 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 maybe maybe if all those things happen but that there's a lot of variables there 
I, I do think those parallels between his spell at Nice in particular and this spell at yeah. Crystal Palace, he has something now to look at and be like, okay, that was a pattern. Yeah. I have to change something for my next role. But he's young yeah. enough that, you know, potentially Absolutely. there is time to learn that. Absolutely. But that willing has to come from the manager. 100%. To do that. Anyway, uh, that's winners and losers wrapped up after the break. We're going or to just, just, or just winners this week. Just winners, sorry. And we're not calling him a loser. No, you made a good Absolutely point. not. Winners yeah. and... Um... Discussion points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, we're diluting this feature more and more each week. Winners and discussion points, whatever. Winners and winners and what may have been. Are you doing... Was that for everyone as well? Yeah. Sound I apologise to the patrons, but just to the end of the season, we're going to do winners and losers for everyone because... It's there's some really good chat in here, and I think everyone and also we're on a we're on a we're flying, we're on a winner. Yeah. Let's just all be in this together. So till the end of the season, that feature will be will be for the public. Um but patrons still obviously get the uh, post-match pods and lots of other bonuses as well. So and there'll be extra pods for the patrons in the summer and stuff. So don't you worry. Uh right, after the break, Everton at home. Welcome back to the Five Fan Podcast. Wee. Pod four sixty nine. It's preview time. Everton at home. Uh, suddenly looking like a very nice fixture indeed. Um, Everton lost three one at home to Fulham last weekend. Although they do have the manager Jack that uh, may have been our manager if he hadn't gone to Everton um, when he did. What are we thinking with this one? Because given the F- Palace's form and Everton's form going into it, um, it has the potential to be another lovely afternoon at Celeste. It really does. I think they are massively in the mud after last weekend. That you know, we looked at the results as they were coming in on Saturday, and that that one really stuck out. Even with Bournemouth winning at Spurs and and Brighton winning at Chelsea, although the latter probably isn't a surprise to anyone this season. Um, Everton not turning up at home to Fulham, a Fulham team who are well prior to that fixture had been very very poor in the the previous weeks, but Everton not to win that fixture at home. I think this this makes this one a um, a, a real must win and a target for them, um, and a bit like Southampton, uh, they'll they'll need a they'll certainly need a point on on Saturday. I would say, and I think the relegation battle. You know, everybody just a few weeks ago was talking about you know eighteen relegation battle and or possibly even a nineteen relegation battle. I think it's slowly or not slowly, sorry, the complete opposite. Very quickly become a five team yeah. relegation battle. I think okay. Leeds, Everton. And the existing bottom three are probably um, the five that the three will will come from. Um, I just don't see this Everton team scoring goals. I know uh, they're, they're, the the change might be that Dominic Calvert Lewin um, features this week. I think um, he was very close to featuring on Saturday, um, and he may well feature this week. Um, but then again, he he was in a similar boat when they came to Selhurst for the um, quarterfinal last year, and. Uh, he was awful after a spell on the sideline. So he's not a striker that um, I say all this, you know, before he scores two goals in the last 10 minutes and wins the game. But um, he, he typically hasn't been a, a, a striker who's come back to form very, very quickly. So the game is there for us to to take again, you know, with the, the confidence that will be sky high after the last few weeks. Um, I am expecting a positive result, um, but that's, 
you know, in the face of an Everton team who really, really need to take something away from this game. Even if he does and we lose, I mean, the pressure's off, really, I think. Well, not off, off, but we've given ourselves such a massive boost with three wins. Uh, I'm not too fussed. And actually, like Lee Anderson's forehead, I'm feeling very relaxed at the moment uh, with Roy and Ray. I'm suspecting Brackers will be the same lineup as as uh, Saints and, in fact, Leeds as well. We know Roy likes to try and keep it consistent if he can. Uh, hmm. I'd, I'd imagine that Johnson stays in for Guaita and, obviously, Wilf, we think, is probably still not featuring. Um is that what you're expecting? And also, then we do have Wolves a few days later, um, which are slightly different form going into this game. They they have picked up enough probably under Lopetegui to, to stay up and look quite good. Um, so that'll be a different... Yeah, two different games. We're saying this because we probably, probably have to pod after the Wolves game because midweek games completely mm-hmm. screw up our pod schedule. Um, but yeah, two two different games this week, I guess, but win the Everton game and then I guess the Wolves game can just be a lovely little trip up to the Midlands. Yeah, well, in terms of Everton, I think what, what what you noticed on Saturday was they look nervous, don't they? And Palace have been, been very good at killing off these these teams that is immediately like Southampton on Saturday. As soon as the nerves crept in amongst the fan base, then Palace were on them and then the stadium emptied quite quickly. Um, I, I'd expect the same lineup. However, Roy was, was referencing on, on Saturday after the game that he needs to see what the other players can do. He said, "You know, I've got, I've got, I've got James Tompkins and Chris Richards. I bring James Tompkins on for the last ten minutes because I know he'll see the game out. Um, I need to see basically what what these other players can do. I, I can't imagine that the fact that we haven't hit that forty point mark yet means he'll change too much. But you know, his uh, pick up an odd injury or here or there, I don't think he'd be he'd be too upset to throw Chris Richards in mm-hmm. for the start to see what he can do. Um, and then." Pick up if we pick up a positive result against Everton, you head to Wolves again, full of confidence, and maybe change it up there. And by that point, Palace could have retained their Premier League status for an eleventh season in a row. So it's a it's a big week of well, big back to back games. But you go into it with so much confidence, and I imagine the players are sort of feeling the same because that's what the return has done. Palace, uh, Palace, have lifted the whole place, the mood, everything around it. It's. Uh, it's, I imagine it's a great place to to play at the moment. Not not so, Jim, but not not to not that Roy will actively want to disrupt the the confidence and the flow of this team. But then the potential two game ban that would follow another yellow card for Chet Takora, who's been managing that tenth booking uh, very very well over the last few games. But perhaps the the luxury of those last three wins in a row means that maybe Czech doesn't start this game and and maybe is called upon if we need him. But I think the 10-game ban expires after the Everton game. So any uh, any future yellow cards wouldn't see a ban coming into force. So I don't know, maybe to safeguard against that two-game ban, maybe Luca comes in for Czech, but I wouldn't be saying that unless we won the last three games. But <laughs> but that's possibly one, one area of the pitch that the Roy will look at. Um, but I, I wouldn't expect that to be the case because of how important Czech has been in those three wins. And again, he was very, very good on on Saturday. Yeah, I hadn't appreciated. So seven games to go. Uh, we're currently nine points clear of the drop. If we win those two games, let's say we beat Everton and the Wolves, uh, let's say Forest, just for hypotheticals, don't win any. And in fact, none of the bottom three do unless they're playing each other. And stay on 27. That's, that is 15 points clear of five games to go. So that... that, uh, that uh, given the goal difference is much better than basically all the teams down there. Yeah, actually, that could, so we could be talking next week of Palace actually, you know, 
basically mathematically being up, which is which is mad, yeah. absolutely mad considering where we were. So um, can I um can I just give some insight to the listener there? I thought you'd receive some really bad news when we were talking then because your face went so white and so static. And it's that you were doing arithmetic instead. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're just the you're just the uh, the guinea pig for the prime minister's new maths focus initiative, aren't you? I this... would be the last person. Given actually, I was at home really? with my dad at the weekend. I looked at my dad got old mum got old school reports out, and I was looking at those, and I thought I was good at maths. Wow, look at reading the teacher's reports. Turns out I was nowhere near as good as I thought. Which, given my dad is an accountant and has been for forty years. Is a massive disappointment. Did not travel. Did not travel genetically. No. Okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, you, you were, I, think I, I, gen- right? I genuinely thought. Yeah, I think roughly. I think you might be one out, but I'm not going to labour on the point, Jim. Just to. Um, <laughs> no, but um, Mr. Smith did in year nine, so. <laughs> <laughs> and he's bloody, still getting to me. Bloody Smithy. Um, yeah, but just to give some insight, you did go incredibly white then. So maths is not your. Uh, not I can't. One. Well, facial expression. expression. I, had, I had a self tape this week that was like, you've got to know facial expressions, play it very straight. And I see my agent was like, nah, this one's not for me. Well, now <laughs> you know. Now you know. Just to look at long algebra. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just think of think of my times table. Yeah. I'll be on the. I'll be in Hollywood before before long. Anyway, uh, guys, thank you very much. What a lovely pod, Brackers. Great to have you on. Solid debut, and uh, we'd love to have you on again at some point if you're up for it. Thank you very much, JD. Anytime. Thank you. Top man. I thank you for your insight. It's really nice to get the insight from the other side of, you know, behind the curtain with the journalist. I've genuinely very interesting. So I really appreciate, really appreciate that. And Jack, always good to have you on, mate. Just, thank you. Uh, what, very... what halcyon days we're in right They now. are. I think I said that um, as we kind of left St. Mary's. They they do feel very, very starkly different to just a month ago. And you have to say that. I, I just think three wins in a row does not happen very often um, for many Premier League clubs. You know, as good a season as Brighton are having this year, they haven't won three on the bounce this year. So let's end on that. Rub it in their face while they look at winning the FA Cup and going into Europe. But anyway, don't let me... Uh, don't let me worry. Who are the real winners in this? Us. Three games. <laughs> Absolutely. Three games on the bounce. Yeah, we'll always have it over them. Right, um, we're back I, next week. Yeah, I can't right. wait to... I can't wait to... To play this back and hear what you're playing us out with, so it's a surprise well, to us all. I will. It's a surprise to me as well. But we'll uh, we'll play out with us with the uh, as we've been doing recently with the song. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks to our patrons for their support. Back next week after that Wolves game, probably. So keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, enjoy being a Palace fan right now, folks, because uh, it's a very enjoyable time indeed. Uh, take care. See you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network.